Remote meetings are too often a parade of shadowy silhouettes, screechy feedback, and multitasking participants. But it doesn't have to be that way. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Welcome and thank you for listening. This is our 50th episode. Thank you for sharing the podcast with others. Thank you for your commitment to leading in a way that gets results without sacrificing your humanity. We need your leadership more now than ever. Also, before we get into talking about remote meetings, want to let you know that we are scheduling a free idea inspiration rally to help you unleash your team's best ideas and create a better, bolder future. This is based on work in our new book, Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And so it's been an extraordinary period of uncertainty and change. And at this point, you might have started to see what can be done despite the constraints. And as we look beyond the immediate crisis and everything that's happening, how are you going to establish a new normal? How will you leverage all the micro-innovation and problem-solving that you're seeing now? And how do you get more of it? How do you keep it going? So the research that we did for Courageous Cultures, one of the things that we found for certain is that there are game-changing ideas, but people frequently don't share them. And if that happens, you run the risk of returning to business as usual. Well, and that'd be a waste of money and time and all of the effort, energy, and and passion that people were bringing to the table right now. So to help you leverage that, we've created this free idea inspiration rally. It's going to be a one-hour live online opportunity to help you unleash your team's best ideas. So to learn more about that, you can go to letsgrowleaders.com slash idea dash day. And I will put the link in the show notes as well at leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. Particularly right now, remote meetings are a daily fact of life for almost everyone. Every leader, most team members. And when you're leading them well, it's absolutely possible that you can build relationships and you can leverage your team's expertise. And they're great because you can do that from anywhere on earth. But just like in-person meetings... Good remote meetings don't happen by accident. It takes intention and clear expectations to give everyone a productive experience that's going to help move your team forward. So I want to give you a number of ways that you can take control of your remote meetings and make them a productive experience for everyone. We'll start with some of the logistics, lights, cameras, and the activity. So think about showing up to an in-person business meeting. You wouldn't show up to most in-person business meetings wearing shorts and a t-shirt and then put your feet up on the desk. And hopefully you don't have remote team members that are showing up that way either, but remote meetings do require a different set of etiquette to ensure that the experience is connected and productive for everyone involved. And unless you're intentional about it, call attention to it, talk about the expectations, these things won't just happen. First thing I recommend, use the camera. And I've been on a number of remote meetings lately where people are new to them, and so they're leaving their camera off saying, well, I'm at home today. It's not looking good. It's 
well, listen, you're still working. You'd still get up and go to, to work and you'd take time to take a shower or do your hair or put on a shirt. And the good news is you don't have to put on any particular kind of pants. You can wear shorts. You can be in your pajama bottoms and no one will know the difference. It's like a mullet, right? Business on the top. So turn on the camera. Seeing one another's faces is fundamentally better than voice alone. If you recall from an earlier episode, we talked about different kinds of communication styles, different meetings, and the amount of bandwidth. Well, face-to-face in person is the top bandwidth, but after that is face-to-face over a remote connection. Even with some of the delays and latency that can come with video, we're built to see faces. We interpret emotion. You connect with other human beings that way. So visual communication is going to be higher bandwidth. You're going to get better results in relationships when your team can see one another. So if it's at all possible, make video the default for your remote meetings. Next, you want to use lights. You've got your camera on. Make sure your team can see you and make sure they can see one another. The number one problem with lighting that that I see here is that people sit in front of a window or sometimes a bright light and they point their camera toward the window. Well, now the light washes out your face and all, all anybody can see is a dark silhouette. If you're going to be doing remote meetings for a while, it's worth setting up a regular space where you'll have good lighting. If nothing else, sit facing the window. Your camera should point away from the window so the natural light is falling on your face. Or get a lamp or move a lamp from another room. Use what you have and ask everybody else to do the same. They may not be able to have you know studio quality lighting, but they can avoid sitting in front of a bright light that washes out their face. You want to be able to see each other as well as possible. Third is use a microphone. Video requires a good internet connection, but quality audio is easy and it's affordable. Wear that headset, get a USB plug-in mic. If you're in an environment that's quiet and has good sound muffling, you know, just the microphone from the laptop will be sufficient. Otherwise, a microphone of some kind makes a huge difference in the quality of the experience for you and your meeting participants. It's much easier to listen to that clear voice coming through than scratchy and with all the feedback and uh, muffled sounds from the dog barking across the room and so forth. It's really difficult to have a conversation with a group if you can't hear one another, you're getting that kind of feedback. Headset microphones eliminate all of those problems. And while we're talking about noise, limit the background noise. And I know this is hard right now. People are in circumstances that they're not accustomed to where they're working from home and maybe they don't have all that. So so there are different ways to go about this. You can create zones, put a sign on your door, whatever it takes to try to limit some of that. But understanding that at times like these, some of that's going to happen. But in general, particularly as we're getting back to kind of business as normal, what can you do to limit background noise? A noise canceling microphone will take care of a lot of it. And if that's not possible, the next best thing is just mute everyone when they're not talking and make that the standard default. Logistically, the way the meeting runs, we're going to mute ourselves when we're not speaking. Makes it easier for everybody to hear. It takes a little practice, but people get used to unmuting themselves just like they have when they're on conference calls. And finally, when it comes to the technology, this is a very human aspect of the technology, which I call look at the green dot. Now, you'll know what I'm talking about if you've ever spent a video conference looking at someone's left ear. If that happened, it's because they have their camera on a different monitor than the monitor they're watching. 
they might have the camera on one, but all the pictures of everybody in the meeting are on the other one. So they're looking at the pictures, but they're looking away from the camera. When you speak, and this takes practice, look at your camera. My camera has a little green dot on it when it's on. There's a little green light that lights up and tells me the camera is on. So whenever I'm speaking in a remote meeting, I look at that green light as if I am looking into another person's eyes. It maximizes your perceived eye contact with everyone else, and it draws their eyes in. If they see you looking at them, they have a natural human tendency to look at you. But if you're looking off to the left, it doesn't seem like you're engaged with them. That is psychologically permission to multitask and not be as engaged as you'd like. So look at that green light, that green dot, as if it were the eyes of the person that you're speaking to. I know the impact of this because many times I've had participants remark on how connected I was and how intently I was listening to them, and that's why. I was looking at the dot. Even when they were talking, I'll look at the dot, so it looks as if I'm looking directly at them. It takes practice to get used to, but it's way better than people talking to your ear or seeing your ear, and it will yield great results, even if it feels a little awkward at first. All right, so those are logistical suggestions. Let's talk about how to facilitate remote meetings. They're going to require more from you than an in-person meeting would. An in-person meeting, you've got some natural body language, some subtle cues and things that, that will help. But for a remote meeting, your team's going to appreciate your leadership if you can help make them the best use of everyone's time. One technique here is to prime with early interaction. And priming is a, a general facilitation technique for these that we'll talk about in different ways. But too often, people experience remote meetings as a passive event where they're listening to one or two people drone on while they do other work. Occasionally they chime in with, oh, that sounds good to me. So you want to create a different energy and break up those habits from the beginning. So I recommend that you start your meeting with interaction. Perhaps even before the meeting starts, ask questions. Get, have a starter that engages people. It can relate to the topic you're talking about, or it can just simulate some of that pre-meeting table talk that would naturally happen if people were, were gathered around the table. Or you could have fun and humanize everyone. What if you started with a quick waterfall chat where everyone shares their answers to questions like, what's the best thing that happened to them at work this week? What made them most proud of their team? What contribution are they most proud of? What do they hope to get out of or achieve on the project that you're discussing? And so if you're not familiar with a waterfall chat, the idea is that, and here's how I'll do it. I'll say, okay, everyone get your fingers on the keyboard. Open up your chat window, so I will prime, tell everybody exactly where they need to be, get them ready, so that it creates the atmosphere of a waterfall of answers that come down. So then I'll share the question. So for instance, maybe this week it might be, all right, before we get started, what is the one food in your pantry that you made sure and got plenty of before all the social distancing started? All right, type it in on your mark, get set. Hit enter, go. And then you've got this waterfall, this cascade of answers that are coming in. People say, you know, pot stickers, pudding, soup, whatever it was. So give everyone that moment to read through and then appreciate the answers. You can read through, call them out, have fun with them. And you can use this same technique to pause and gather responses throughout the meeting 
that are on topic. And if you have a larger meeting, if it's more than four or five people, this is a way to still get the engagement from everyone. And in fact, it's a thing you can't do in an in-person meeting. That ability to respond in that way and quickly see what everyone is thinking is something that's unique to remote meetings. So the idea here, prime, start your interactions early. Get people interacting early so that you, you break that tone. This is not a passive sit back. Next is have conversations. Many of the platforms will allow you to do breakout rooms. Split the group into you know two, three, four people at a time and have them discuss a topic. Then when that's relevant to the, the meeting and the project, then when everybody gets back together, have them do the same waterfall of their responses into the chat box. And now you've got instant feedback and communication about everything that's happening. Next facilitation tip here, just like every meeting you have, you want to set expectations. So what time does your meeting start? If you said 9 a.m., what does that mean? Does it mean people should arrive at 9? Should they be logging in at 8.55? What should everyone have read or done to prepare for the meeting? So unless you're meeting with the same group repeatedly and they've got a, a great track record of excellent remote meetings, take time to explain the technology, explain the processes. If you're going to use polls or breakout rooms or text chats, the whiteboards, or any of those other elements, which I recommend that you do because they add interest and they add engagement, describe how they work and give people a chance to do it before you use it for the actual conversation. That's why I recommend those pre-meeting activities, get everybody there a few minutes early and have some fun with it. Like, okay, everybody get the whiteboard open and just sign your name or doodle your favorite animal or something like that. Get people used to using it in a fun way before you're asking them to use it in a professional way. And it's also good practice while we're talking about expectations to review behavioral expectations regarding lighting, microphones, video, background noise, all the things we talked about earlier. For instance, you could say, to avoid talking over one another, please use the raise hand feature. Many, again, many of these platforms have a button where they can raise their hand and I'll call on you. Okay, let's try it out. Everyone raise your hand now. So again, that example of helping everybody get used to the technology, use it for fun. You could do a would you rather with raised hands. Lots of different examples. Okay, another facilitation technique is to keep track of participation. And this, you can do in in-person meetings, but we tend to do it somewhat naturally in in-person meetings. It can be a little more di- difficult or challenging um, in remote meetings, particularly when we can't see the people or there are many of them. How long has it been since you've heard from Doug? Does Cheryl need to contribute something? When you lead a remote meeting, keep track of who's taking part. What I'll do is often just print out a list of attendees and I'll just use little hash marks as people engage. If they ask a question, if they share an idea, a comment, But I want to make sure we're balancing input and that the technology isn't preventing contribution or allowing someone to hide who we do need to hear from. And so if I look down my list and I haven't heard from Doug or Cheryl in a while, I say, hey, listen, Doug, I want to ask you um, in a moment um, your thoughts on this particular issue. Cheryl, could you go ahead and, and wrap up what you were thinking? And then, Doug, I'm going to come to you. So I have primed that person so they have a moment to think and get their thoughts together, particularly if the reason we hadn't heard from them is that they were multitasking or something else, um, to get them re-engaged. And the more used to engaging that people are, the less priming you'll have to do, but it's a technique that will help you to, to draw people in. And then a final facilitation technique 
is this intentional engagement. When people use a new technology, it helps to be directive in how you engage the team. Use people's names frequently. Invite them to share their perspective. And this is even more important when you've got hybrid meetings where some people are in person and some people are remote. In fact, if you're going to have those, it's some it's often better just to have everybody remote. But vary the interactions. Use the waterfalls, use the polls, use the text chats to get group feedback and engage whoever isn't speaking at that particular moment. So one engagement tool that is often underused is a good strategic story. In two to four minutes, you could share a brief story about a customer or an employee that relates to the meeting's purpose, something that puts that computerized meeting into a human context. And if you add in a PowerPoint slide or two and get a a picture there along with it, you've just increased the emotional content, you've increased the connection in ways that you wouldn't normally do in an in-person meeting, that your remote meeting now feels like something more special and like, wow, this this is more engaging takes a little more intentionality, takes a little bit more preparation or work, but you will get out of it that energy that you put in. Finally, with remote meetings, just like in-person meetings, there are some elements you want in every meeting every time. First, have a clear purpose. Before anyone arrives to the meeting, what is the purpose of that meeting? Do they know why this meeting exists? Are they making a decision about where are they going, how they're going to get there? Clarify the purpose of the meeting and stick to it. Make sure you've invited the right people to make the best decision. A reminder, you want every meeting to be the most productive use of time for everyone who's there. So generally, the way you're going to do that is to invite the least number of people that allow the group to make the best decision. So you get all the stakeholders represented, but in the least numbers possible to make the best decision then added some of the people who might attend developmentally because it's good for their development. Next, as the meeting gets going, you're going to restate that purpose, but then clarify who owns the decision. How will the decision be made? A single person? Will the team be voting? Will the team be choosing by consensus? Be clear about who owns the decision so everyone knows how to share and how to think about what they're hearing. When you drift into another topic, Make a decision. Are you going to change the purpose of the meeting to discuss the new topic, which is rarely a good idea, but sometimes it is warranted? Or are you going to call everyone back to the topic at hand and use a parking lot to park that idea, assign that idea an owner who's responsible for following up on it later in the meeting or at another time? And finally, every meeting ended with the magic meeting formula for results. It's a focused check for understanding. Who is doing what, by when, how will we know? Who does what, when's it due, and how will we know it happened? Who's the person who's going to receive that information? Is the team going to get something? How will we know? Bake in the finish. Bake in the accountability. Finish strong and ensure everyone clearly knows who's accountable for what. Hey, this is Nora, and I have a question. Hi, David. My name is Jamie, and I'm calling in from Maine. My question is about... Hey, David. This is Julian from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is John from Colorado Springs. This is Johan White from Kingston. I have a question for you. This is Cynthia from Baltimore. Hi, David. This is Susan from New Jersey, and my question is... Hi, David. This is Dean from Denver. I would love your advice on this. We have a great question today from Penka. 
and I would love to answer your leadership or management-related questions, or you can ask a question about any of our previous 49 episodes. To send in your question, the best way to do it is to go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. There's a big orange button there. Click that button, leave us your question, tell us who you are, where you're from. I would love to use your question and answer your question in a future episode. So Penka's question today is in response to the episode about leading your team through times of crisis and uncertainty and change. And it's a very insightful question, Penka asks. David, I'm wondering when to communicate. Should I communicate whatever I know right now, or should I wait until I have the bigger picture? So Penka, thank you for taking the time to ask that question it's certainly a challenge, uh, particularly when you're in these rapidly changing crisis types of situations. It's a both-and type of an answer. So first is, you want to be clear about whatever you do know. So this is what we know right now. This is our goal today. This is how we're responding today. And you can be honest about the situation. Also, folks, this is a rapidly changing scenario. Things may be different this afternoon, things may be different tomorrow, but right now, this is what we know and this is what we're doing. And then you can be clear about how things will be communicated and what will happen in the future when you do know. So you don't know what the content will be, but you do know what you're going to do. So you can say something like, so listen, I expect that sometime in the next 8 to 24 hours, I'm going to be getting additional information. Here's how I will be communicating that. When I know this, I will let you know in this way. Watch your text message, pay attention to your email, um, or I will be calling you individually. However you're going to be communicating or updating, or perhaps, hey, listen, we are going to have a stand-up here at 5 o'clock. We will have another one at 8.30 in the morning. And at those two moments, I will brief you on everything that we know up to that point. So when you put all that together, it looks like this. Here's what we know right now. Yes, things are rapidly changing, so be prepared. Information could shift. Our priorities could shift. But here's what we're doing right now. And so you're very clear about the MIT. And as things change, here is what you can count on in terms of how I will communicate and how you will know what's happening next. So as a leader for your team, if you can do those things, you're going to be able to create that clarity that's the antidote to uncertainty and it's that balance between communicating what you know now versus waiting for the bigger picture so you'll always if you wait for the bigger picture you will always be waiting because there's always a bigger picture and information is never a hundred percent you just get close to it so best is communicate clearly what you do know Clarify the nature of what you're doing, the nature of the crisis that's rapidly evolved. Clarify the MIT for right now, and then clarify how you'll be communicating in the future. Do those things, and you'll keep your team moving through crisis. So, Penga, thank you for the question. Um, Definitely an important one to clarify there for for everybody as you're leading through these times of crisis, rapid change, and, and stressful situations. So my heart is with you. I know that these times aren't easy if you're listening to this in real time. Every leader I've talked to, you know, just has this wide-eyed look on their face like, holy cow, what is going on? But you can do this. You've got what it takes. And your team will follow you. Keep building the relationships. 
Keep your eye on the results you're trying to achieve. Remember that everyone's humanity connect as human beings, even when it's hard, even when it's super stressful, and you will get through this. And you're going to merge on the other side, having learned some things about yourself and your team that are fantastic, phenomenal, that you can build on for your future success. I am a big believer in the power of remote meetings and their ability to create human connections and achieve breakthrough results. Karen and I have built friendships and working relationships with people all over the world. We even wrote Winning Well remotely, and ultimately our relationship started as a distance in a remote meeting relationship, although it isn't anymore. It's absolutely possible when you're intentional around it. Remote collaboration and live online opportunities are profound in the world we live in when you put the work into them. So take control of your remote meetings and turn them into meetings that get results and build relationships. Until next time, be the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.